the grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, the Test Match Circus moves to Perth for the commencement of the Chapel Hadley Trophy between Australia and New Zealand. But once again, we learn that being nice in Australia gets you absolutely fuck all. The summer of Marnus rolls on as Australia's new lord and saviour goes past a thousand test runs in 2019. Meanwhile, the old one still hasn't hit a 50. There's dodgy chicken, sports personality of the year, Afghani Twitter accusations, cricket returns to Pakistan, but the main treat for the ears and the hearts and the minds this week great cricketer fans is that Marcus Stoinis is on the show this is all thanks to Budgie Smuggler Christmas is a few days away and our friends at Budgie Smuggler have you covered smugglers towels bum bags flap hats bucket hats socks kids rashies underwear when your mum or love interest says what do you want for Christmas you tell her to go to budgiesmuggler.com to go absolutely nuts use the code champ for free shipping one website to sort out every member of your family this christmas my name is ian higgins and i'm joined by dave edwards in sydney and sam perry in melbourne and uh boys well two questions um how good are um, jet star cancellations um and uh strikes and uh 40 degrees four days in a row in perth what's the hottest day you've ever played in <laughs> shit that was smooth he goes that was a smooth intro nine takes Hottest day, well, I have to kind of um, have to reference last week's chat. It'd have to be Benson's Lane mm-hmm. in Hawkesbury, mm-hmm. uh, where, where John was quite happy. John, uh, I guess last week John Hastings was, was quite happy to wax lyrical about how difficult it was to play there, where flies were the size of um, yes, spiders, I suppose. Yep. <coughs> yep. What? And, uh, I said a small cat. I swallowed a fly, which was a small cat. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there were no trees. So I'd say Benson's Lane for me mm. there, mate. Mm. Pez, I remember when you and I played with Gideon Hayes' team at the Yarras, and it was, I think, 43 or 44 degrees, and the umpire had to come off um, because he was dehydrated. And um, that that was an extremely hot day, and I hadn't played in years. And mm. I'd, obviously the, the globe, the world had warmed. Climate <laughs> change had happened a lot since I'd played grade cricket. So... Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was a completely different experience for me playing. Um, yeah. That was really funny. It was like a reverse rain situation. Like People had come off the field and you could tell two or three guys still really wanted to play and the remainder, I suppose, was about 18 people, 19 people did not. The umpire like looked like he was on the verge of heat stroke. Yeah. God. And um, people were like bringing up all sorts of apps with official temperatures yeah. and then there was an inquiry into where that temperature was actually taken from was it taken from the airport there was a lot of indecision Bureau of meteorology there, yeah, yeah. Can and you no change rooms. to Como park yeah. yeah no change rooms either and so like, everyone's just, just lying on the grass like just suffering in oh, the absolute yeah. heat Christ. you just had that uh like reflex of like you know we, like we hadn't played for years and it was I think part of our arrangement for Gideon to write a feature article on us <laughs> play. this is how media transactions work uh, back in 2014 and like so we were really excited to play and then obviously as soon as the opportunity to not play arrived both of us were like nah look it's 44 be on, is it? I, think, I think you got to take it from the airport it's 44 yeah suffice to say of course the nerds win and we played uh, and mm. yeah roundly lost quite, quite easily actually I don't remember any specific day in my career which was like which was particularly hot obviously just heaps of hot days but I remember stuff being like when you when you know it's going to be like a 40 degree plus day and you get there and it's already like 37 at like 9 in the morning and it's fucking so uncomfortable and then yeah. you inevitably lose a toss etc 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 you know you know how the old gags work um, but yeah hot as fuck sweating in your warm up gear mm. sunscreen running down your face mm. sunscreen mixing with sweat which gets into your eyes mm. and it's not even 10am mm. and then yeah, yeah you lose a toss you're already Wedding, you. when you're putting on your yeah. sunscreen yeah there's which is not a good way to put sunscreen on there's something mm. funny about like being put into the field when it's that hot a day like there's something like oh this is always going to happen to us like yeah. like you're the fucking 
star of your own movie and everything bad has happened to you. Someone actually, wrote, someone actually wrote into the DMs, sorry, someone actually wrote into the DMs recently. They were playing a game in Perth and Perth Cricket called off the competition because it was like 38 degrees. And that to me didn't sound right, but it definitely, I definitely remember reading that recently, the last like two weeks. Mm. Um, so it's always been pretty hot in Perth recently. Um, anyway, to the cricket, uh, it's been um, four days in a row, 40 degrees in Perth. Um, that's remarkably hot uh, for any yeah. level, professionals or amateurs aside. Um, but mm. uh, Australia have, um, well, they did the thing that we thought they were going to do, more or less, yeah? Yeah, and, like, it's, it's difficult from the comfort of your own lounge or even the guys in the press box to, like, feel the heat that people keep referring to because mm. normally you've got some air con or you're just quite comfortable. But, like, to see the the visual on the screen of everybody sitting in the shade, like literally yeah. um, taking the hemisphere of the shade and the sun and no one sitting in that sun was was the best way to kind of understand it. And, uh, yeah, like Perth just lived up to its stereotype, didn't it? Like it, it was 40 degrees and the entire game was essentially leg theory um, <laughs> and all players, yeah. all players struggled with it. So, yeah. You know, New Zealand struggled more than Australia and yet the stories will be... <laughs> Gee, Smith can't play the short ball. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. why? Why? Like, we did dominate this test match, though, and, and we have dominated the whole summer. But I just don't know why I'm not feeling good yet. Like, why am I not exulting in mm. our dominance? And I think a lot of it is to do with the uncertainty around climate. I mean, it's 40 degrees in Perth and Sydney, covered in smoke. It has been for for weeks it feels you know bushfires mm-hmm. ravaging new south wales since november everything just feels a bit existential at the moment mm. and nothing kind of makes that or exacerbates that more than meaningless cricket and it just all feels a little bit meaningless at the moment i want to feel something but and i'm struggling do you reckon if like the crowds were packed if like you know if if the optus stadium there in perth was like full yeah. you would be more inclined to watch it because it would give you the impression that people cared about it but when you're watching and there's like just empty stands which is a little bit um skewed because everyone's in the shade although there were yeah. like 17,000 people who turned up to the grounds on saturday um do you, I, I just feel like if it was a full stadium it'd be like oh this is interesting like there's a bit of atmosphere ambience yeah. like people, people care about this but when it's empty and it's New Zealand and it's Pakistan and Sri Lanka come out here it's just like yeah does any of this really count I think so mate I mean yeah a bit of talk about the crowd being low but who would honestly go to the exactly. cricket on a oh, 40 mate. degree day mm. who, who the fuck does that yeah no, well, yeah, well, no one. <laughs> but that, that's the, like, that's the, one of the functions of a massive, like, sterile, world-class stadium, yep. though, isn't it? Like, if it was at the Wacker, it would feel bigger. You get 20,000 to day one of a test on a Thursday when it's 40 degrees. Like, if that was a 20,000-seat stadium yep. or ground, yep. which is a normal word for it, you'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yep. Nice atmosphere. Mm. But then when you just set it against 55,000 mm. in just a cavern, like yeah. just, a, just a big cavernous kind of like a monolith. It just feels really empty. It's really one uh, of those like been best, best case chat. scenario of like, yeah, filling that crowd 80,000 plus. But in reality, when is that ever going to happen? It, yeah, mm, you just get exactly. this cavern like experience, just the sterility yeah. of it all. Yeah. It's actually a good point. But similarly, he goes like, Go it, you know, like, like, wasn't it always the case? You know, like, we all, like, yep. th- I don't know if there was ever really a time when. Crowds were super packed. No. Like, I think you see some Robolinda 2, you know, worship the name, mm. uh, footage of, like, one day as in the 90s mm. and the 80s and stuff where you get packed, like, crowds. But Test cricket hasn't been packed since, you know, feels like since Bradman days, mm. you know. But I feel like it, back in the days, because there were hills back in the days, and people kind of lounged out on the hills and spread their mm. bodies yeah. out across the grass. And that probably yeah. gave the impression there were more people than there yeah. really were, when in reality now everyone's kind of confined into their, you know, equally mm. equally spaced out seats you know mm. there's a better match experience you know better facilities and so forth you know mm. bad chicken aside mm. but you know I just, I just think that yeah there is a bit of a myth around crowds being packed oh. except obviously when Bradman played it's good that's a good point it is yeah the hills back in the day just like your square footage per you know per capita yeah. um, compared yes. to like put out a the... nice blanket you yeah, roll go yeah, there yeah. you know taking out a, a few square meters each mm. I mean, you compare that to, like, the sort of, you know, those, like, Japanese hotels where, like, you basically just, like, slide into, like, a tube and that's your hotel room. That's yep. essentially what, you know, stadiums are now. That's exactly the same thing. Hey, Marnus Labrachain hit 143 in the first innings, 50 in the second. He's now got over a 1,000 test runs in um, a calendar year. Now, we definitely saw this coming when he, when he debuted for Australia about 12 months ago, yeah? 
<laughs> it would prove fairly obvious this was going to happen. I've, like we've made about 17 retractions of the comments we made last year, and I still I feel like it's not enough. <laughs> you know, it's it's the summer of minus Lobiskakni. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, what a what a what a player, and like the fact that he's kind of uh, trending up as his older brother Steve Smith is trending down. Yeah, just makes the like success like all the more amplified. Mm. So it just it's just I just feel so safe having a like a, a prolific number three again. A great stylist. Mm-hmm. It's just really nice that Australia can be a wicket down, and the guy that comes in at three, you know, just with that wonderful, uh, you know, culture, that wonderful iconicism around that number, mm-hmm. is delivering mm-hmm. in spades. Mm-hmm. That three is our current best batsman. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Kevin Roberts and CA are slowly putting the the building blocks back of Australian <laughs> cricket. We're getting some, like, we're getting some meaningless dominant victories where we don't have to think anymore. Yep. We're bumping people out. Mm-hmm. Our number three is good. You know, this oh. is the, they're rebuilding well. Everything yeah. is just going according to the blueprint now, isn't it? And, and mm. you talk about Smith there. I mean, I I wonder how he's feeling seeing Labuschagne kind of usurp him as a run scoring mm. prowess. <laughs> like the I saw that. I think that when the match ended and Lyon bowled that, you know, it was like a half volley to Southey. I think he nicked it to Smith, and Smith just took this low catch, just chucked it away really nonchalantly, just high-fived pain. There was no emotion on his face. Pain, pain took off his helmet, and he there was no expression on his face either. There was no, no one had facial expressions. This was just a clinic, and no one was feeling anything. And we, even though we won, everything just went almost too swimmingly. I felt. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cr- cricket's uh, cricket's when these, it's just a ridiculous game where like Australia's known they've going to win for about three days, and then like mm. the the actual winning moments would have happened probably when they took when they got Kane Williamson out in the second innings. That was probably like the moment like yeah, that's 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 this the game. Yeah, officially I you were say first innings. Ca- yeah, <laughs> no, I was referring to that. <laughs> um, but uh, and then like we, yeah, then there's kind of like this drawn out thing where like you you're basically winning for an accumulation of about 22 hours of of match yeah. time. Um, and so when the catch is taken, when the final wicket is taken, the final run is scored, whatever the scenario is, it's just like, okay, we can, we can stop playing now, yeah. Can go back in the fucking air conditioning. This is um, like Nathan Lyon bowled well in the second innings and he had a like very conducive pitch and he's a very skillful bowler. I just, I don't know, tell me if this is just me, but I just get the impression like he's um, just wild speculation here, but just rarely looks happy. Nathan Lyon yeah. he doesn't need to look happy he doesn't need to smile the way I need him to smile or anything like that or if it's just a resting bitch face kind of thing mm. just regularly looks um, just disconsolate yeah. uh, or just shaking he took, took a catch a point yesterday I mean this is where we've got to with the cricket isn't it I'm just now like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm facial expression idea he didn't make the right facial didn't expression look happy. for us yeah. I noticed the exact well, like, same thing. I noticed the exact same thing. Yeah, first wicket of the second innings. He um, just shook his head. It was. Was it like it was Jeet Raval? Yeah. I think he just just yeah. popped off the top yep. corner of his bat, top yep. edge of his bat. Off mm. was it Cummins' bowling? Mm. Just lobbed to point. It was just too fast, hitting the mm. bat too hard. He couldn't get his bat up there. Not good enough to face that bowling, and that's fine because who is? Mm. And like Lyon just took this catch at point, and I thought, oh, and he just shook his head yeah. and just walked in with no expression. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> did he shake his head because? The sun was in his eyes and he didn't, he didn't see it. They yeah. showed multiple replays. No, he saw it. It was fine. It was he shaking his head just because this guy's fucking shit? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe. I like- he's shaking his head because why is he playing cricket? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea because as well, like he, he caught the ball, shook his head, and then like looked at the ball to then keep shining it. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like we've well, just got a wicket, but I must look at this ball to now take more yeah. wickets to shine it. This is the, this is the beginning of the end. This wicket was a nev- an inev- inevitability. Um, but yeah, it's, I also like that thing of like when you take a catch and you haven't picked it up, shaking your head. Like, who, like what are you shaking your head at? Like that you're angry, you're angry at your own eyes for not seeing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always have to just tell everyone that you know you were yeah. under some kind of level of discomfort here, yes. yet you still accomplished the thing yes. that you needed to do, <laughs> and you overcame that obstacle through your own prowess, not because That's of the right. conditions that you were presented to you. Yeah. And if anybody out there was thinking, gee, he didn't take that catch as athletically or co- in, in mm. a coordinated fashion, well, it was because of an external force, yeah. not because of my own lack of ability. Exactly. I just want to make that really clear, like like some very demonstrative um, signaling, virtue signaling. It's, yeah. it's virtue signaling. <laughs> it's virtue signaling, but for cricket. Ryan was virtue signaling. Uh, okay, Mitch, Mitch Stark took Pfeiffer. Um, he's good. 
Um, I, I still, I reckon he is. Well, we kind of touched on this loosely over the last couple of weeks, but he, I, he is really underrated. Like, just remember being in the UK and people were like raving about how good they thought he is, and they, like his record speaks for itself. He's incredible. Um, body language stuff, yeah, doesn't doesn't push his shoulders back far enough, or whatever. Um, but like, but he he has been. He actually might have had the best summer of Australian players so far. This this Australian summer, better than Manus, possibly, mm. or David. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's just you know, cricket these days is so seems to be so much about, or, or greatness seems to be measured upon one's ability to perform in all conditions. Mm-hmm. So until he is able to kind of like this is how mm. kind of spoilt we are, mm. we can't appreciate him for being absolutely almost indomitable mm. in um, his own conditions or in conducive conditions to his bowling, mm. which is now going to be even better given there's going to be more pink ball tests, you know, down the track. Mm. But, uh, you know, because he didn't get the chance to do it in England, mm. well, you know, we're always going to have that um, that question mark over him or because Shane Warne says his body language isn't that good or because he's a specific type of bowler, like an attacking bowler who can go for some runs. He can't do absolutely every single thing mm. at all times mm. at a 10 out of 10 level. Well, there's going to be question marks over him. But, you know, what was it? What was it last week? He's like, you know, 200 plus wickets at an incredible strike rate at a really good average. It's, uh, it's, it's turning out to be a, a pretty incredible test career. Mm. Yeah, but where the fuck was he when in Dubai, you know, when we needed him? Exactly. When a, when a bass was yeah. blowing up, you know, Finch's front yep. pad, where was he? Good point. Um, so Josh Hayeswood got injured, um, and he is definitely mm. going to miss the Boxing Day test, and he is likely to miss the SCG test. First of all, like, I wonder, like, we sort of joke about like, those wickets and the state of those wickets. Um, but they are two probably of the biggest matches, home test matches every single year. Hazelwood is obviously from New South Wales. That's a home test match in Sydney. Um, even though the wickets groomed there, MCG, Boxing Day Test, or the you know um, ceremony around that match, would would he be really disappointed to not be playing those games? Do you reckon, or would he be kind of like, <laughs> nah, I actually prefer to just bomb the Gabba and the Wacker. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the, the Travis Head effect. Like, if I don't do anything, then how can I get dropped? Or people think uh, yeah. less of me. Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah, That's no, obviously no terrible news for Josh. I'm sure he's disappointed and family and friends won't be able to come watch him in the SCG. Mm. At least this presents us with a talking point, though. I mean, this the summer <laughs> is just strangely devoid of talking points, I feel. Like, mm. as I said before, everything's going too well, too swimmingly. Mm. It's a prolonged period of stability after a protracted period of instability. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. But, you know, now we're going back to the future. We've got Siddle back in the squad, I think. He probably won't play, but, you know, great to see him around, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is it? I, I, I went as soon as Hazelwood went down, and uh, you know, commiserations, Josh. I thought, well, great. Now, now we can get something new. Something you new. You know, we need a because we're spoiled. Shiny. We new. need a we need a Christmas gift. We need something shiny and new. What do you, you know, want? is do you it? Want, do you want a Nisa? Well, let me run through okay. a few. Like, like, uh, I want to. I want to know what what gifts you would take here. But mm. in, say, Pekovsky was available. Mm. Say, Stoyness was available. Mm. Say Mitch Marsh was available. Say to a lesser extent, you know James Pattinson or Michael Nisa uh, was available. And now Siddle's sort of being mentioned in dispatches. I mean, in terms of Christmas gifts, yeah. if you could have one of them as a, as a shiny new gift to feast your eyes upon, and all of the the visual, you know, titillation <laughs> these guys will provide, who, who would you be picking? I don't get any titillation from Siddle. And, um, you know, he's obviously a close personal friend now, having met him a couple of times. Um, and we will be sharing a Christmas uh, dinner together. But, like, I just mm-hmm. don't get, like, it doesn't, Siddle doesn't fucking get me off, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, there's nothing. It like, gets you off. Um, new stuff gets me off, something deeper and darker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Uh, Who's stuff. deeper and darker? Oh, okay. Um, no, like, 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 if they just named a player in the side and you would just be like, oh, hell yeah. I live for this shit. Like, who, who are we looking at? Even if it was a surprise. Oh, I want someone picked out of grade, obviously. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so a name that I haven't heard of and that I can't pronounce yeah. properly the first go. So, like, Cameron Green. Like, we need to spice up the summer. Oh, just my God. give Greeny a game. Right, I, think just... I think it's time for Hilton Cartwright to resume his rightful place right. on this side. <laughs> no, Cartwright not me off either. But you I know that they won't like, do yeah. that. They won't no, get anything yeah. shiny and new for us for Christmas because Siddle's here, and Siddle's an industry veteran. He's yep. he's been around forever. He knows he knows everyone. He knows how to get the job done. He's mm. not a long term proposition. He's not shiny, nor is he new. No. But you know he's got runs on the board, and 
you know, his employer knows he can come in and hit the ground running. You know, he's he's just come getting called in for a bit of contract work, little little three to six month project. Yeah, I kind of just won't, like wonder what the point is of a siddle. This like especially this summer, like is he? Is it's he, a reward. Uh, like I, I reward. think we're in reward territory with Langer. Like I think the guys that right. he's picking from are guys that have been together since the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, in you know which kicked off in late May, early June, and he's choosing between Siddle, Nisa, and Pattinson, each of whom have good claims to a reward-based <laughs> selection. <laughs> Especially a so, so for Siddle. The case for Siddle is like Boxing Day Victoria. Let's, yeah. in the absence of a wicket that does anything, yeah. it will be dead. Yeah. Like, without yeah. doubt, it will be dead. Mm. Um, that Siddle will market oh. his way through. Mm. Like, he will be the marketer's dream oh, for Melbourne. Oh, well, Siddle. Blah, blah, blah. Then Patton, for Pattinson, it will be. Um, uh, well, as Ponting said, well, he knows the conditions best. He's kind of next cab notionally, uh, and he'll beat Nisa to the position because he's, you know, he knows the MCG. But Nisa, I think, is the reward selection. Like, this is the guy that's been toiling in the nets from the ashes all the way through. He's he's literally been next cab, hasn't put a foot wrong. Mm. He's getting into Andy Bickle territory mm-hmm. as far as 12 men go. He's rugged looking. He, he stands out with his floppy hat. His fielding is exemplary. And he and he seems to, I think he's going to be the Jackson Bird, you know, of this year at the MCG where you put someone of a lower profile to bowl 35 mm. overs on a dead wicket so that they risk injury. I like the idea of like a quid pro quo kind of like, like – you get rewarded with a Boxing Day test. Fuck, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. But and then like the Victorian, mm. the Melbourne crowd get rewarded with a Victorian in the team if it's yeah. either Sydney yeah. or Pattinson, obviously. So that's a nice well, kind it, of balance. It can't be Pattinson because he said something naughty recently. He so said the he, thing. he probably yeah won't be allowed to have the reward. I wouldn't have thought. I don't think he deserves the reward as much based mm. on, on recent kind does, of. Does Nisa titillate you though? No, no titillation, mate. No titillation. Uh. I have a mild titillation because I don't. I don't think we quite know how the action works yet. Like all those new things. Like remember when Simon Cook debuted? Who's this bloke? Like just even just the, the arms and the elbows and the knees moving in different formation to what we're normally used to, mm. or even coming out to bat. Just different shapes of the Aussie mm. helmet and mm. stuff. And mm. his beard looks good. And just there's going to be a cap presentation. Oh yeah, no, you know, mate, it's a great beard. I just feel it's a bit like you know when Jai Richardson got his debut. I was like. That's really good for him. Really happy for him, but it didn't titillate me either. So I, I don't really. You know, I, I was actually quite titillated oh, by um, by Jai Richardson. Yeah, he was just he was yeah. just different, and he was angular and fast, and there was a lot of talk about how quick he was, and and he was quick, yeah. and it surprised mm. me, and therefore I was titillated. Mm. Nisa, that you know, he's he's not fast, <laughs> is he? And and fast is what titillates. No. Yeah. What's Chad he's saying? Hard, but he's hardworking Queenslander who can bat a bit as well. That's not titillating. That's just what they that produce. Doesn't that's just that's Queensland, isn't it? Everyone, I mean, everyone in my mind is Annie Bickle, and it's two thousand and one again. Yeah, Kasparovitz Bickle, just a, a chesty, just a, a rung brawny, below. yeah, hairs on chest, bearded, muscly. <laughs> just saying words that are on my computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're- I, I would go Nisa as a titillation selection over Pattinson and Siddle. I like seeing Pattinson for what he can do, but I don't think any quick bowler can do anything on the MCG wicket that we're going to see. So in the absence of pace bowling titillation, I just want the, the new selection is Nisa mm. for me. Um, okay, well, um, I, I've dragged this on too long, but um, but but uh, what did um, what do we make of New Zealand? Uh, I mean, Lockie Ferguson injured, that's sad for him. I like what he's about. 11 overs, calf, gone in a moon boot the next day. Tim Southey took nine wickets for the match. Um, Neil Wagner took eight. Um, bowling, bowling, was, bowling was okay. No, bowling was pretty good. Um, it's steady. It's nothing like it's, you know, even Wagner's sort of like one high 120s, 130. I mean, I'm saying that people bowled fucking 80 million overs and it's 40 degrees. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I kind of base everything in Australia if you can bowl quick enough. I mean, Wagner, like, he... He was the one that everyone was raving about, wasn't he? Because he mm-hmm. was just not... He, you know, didn't knock off early. He's, you know, he's the yeah. first one in, last Lion one to leave hearted. kind of bloke, isn't he? He's lion-hearted. Has mm-hmm. a bit about him, as they bit say. You know, he's yeah. the kind of player that we, as Australians, respect. Agreed. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, until he presents as a genuine threat to us, of course. Um, <laughs> of course. You know, but he bowled some epic long spells. <laughs> How many kilometres did he run during the test? Obviously, I now need to know everyone's aggregate distance yeah. at all times and cost. I didn't yeah. know I needed Full to know stuff. that until, yeah. until I saw that Warner covered a half marathon um, right. during his triple ton. But now yeah. it's the only data point I care about. 
Uh, yeah, I remember when Warner saw that triple tie, actually. Uh, uh, Wagner like, has a lot of Bollinger about him, doesn't he? But just shorter. Uh, just not as kind of... Um, Good point. Yeah, not as elite, I suppose. But mm. uh, yeah, like I, I like I like Wagner around the wicket, left hand stuff. Yeah, mm. a bit of a line harder performance. Uh, but Australia still racked up like what in in total still six nearly six hundred and fifty runs on a pretty um, in, on a wicket that's pretty tough to bat on. Mm. So yeah, I, I feel New Zealand needed to get something out of this to make a series of of, of what's to oh, come. Mate, I reckon they're going to go okay on the MCG, especially if it's dull. Like that, that's a, those those yeah. wickets. That, like the MCG and the SCG are a little bit more similar to like Seddon Park, where they've been playing those two, like where they've been playing against England and, and Test matches yeah. previous to that. So maybe they'll do a little bit better. I, like I tell you what I'm into. I'm big into a Williamson Ross Taylor partnership. That's got to be the fucking nicest partnership in the history of cricket. Just in terms yeah. of like not nice, nice people, nice people. It's exactly what I mean. Yeah, a lot of really like nice conversations mid wicket really between genial. overs as well. Not yep. just kind of like gruffly yeah. nodding at each other and, and no actual dialogue between the two. <laughs> yeah. Um, like at grade cricket level, you know, they'd be having yeah. some seriously good chats, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon so as well. Yeah. Ross Taylor's got a great record here. Obviously, that 290 in Perth when he was, when, when New Zealand last were here. Um, equal, uh, equal amount of centuries, I think, as, as um, Kane Williamson, who have the most test centuries ever for New Zealand. So they're good. They're good. And I like them as people. Um, come on the show. We, we, we sort of rate New Zealand, don't we? We want to rate them. Like Australia's won this match by 296 runs. Not close. It was, still, it, it was never close at any stage. No. New Zealand have been bowled out for under 200 twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we we laughed at the Pakistanis for losing by similar margins. This is more like we sort of respect New Zealand. We want to respect them. Mm. We want um, to. Stark took nine for fifty-three. <laughs> that, that, they're the figures. They're the figures of somebody who cannot be played, cannot be dealt with. Yeah, yeah, that's you know true. What I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's all playing too high a grade. That's a that's a first grade mm. of playing threes after coming back from injury, but off their full run. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stark will play as a bat. Like maybe that's what Hazelwood will do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pez, uh, before we move on to uh, other parts of the show, um, there's been some uh, there's been some chat on the internet about an Afghani cricketer who's just who's just releasing all kinds of secrets or accusations anyway. Uh, Gulbardin, uh, yeah, yep. he's uh, he's come out he's come out he's a current Afghani player, mm-hmm. and um, he's come out on Twitter recently and just said um in the wake of some poor performances from afghanistan uh, and just said that he's he's just he's just threatened to name and shame teammates on social for corruption misconduct and other betrayals uh, <laughs> and, uh, a platform to do that as well how many followers has he got has anyone like seen that or like three retweets? well there was, there was a, a piece in the tonk on, uh, in the sydney morning herald uh saying um well, they then went. The Sydney Morning Herald then went to the ICC for comment. The ICC just said, "Yeah, we'd love to hear what he's got to say." He hasn't said anything yet. Uh, I do like the idea of just, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got misgivings, may, and maybe there are serious ones here, um, should be said. But you know, you just you just name and shame people on Twitter. I mean, I guess it's been happening for a long just time. Sounds like it? someone on Facebook saying, like, just some rant of a post saying, you know, there's some haters out there that I'm, and then you're just waiting for what's going to happen in the comments from there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dogs don't trust them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Isn't Gulbar, wasn't you know Gulbar who you the are. Captain of Afghanistan, the World Cup, and didn't he play in the game where he kept bowling himself and like his figures were like <laughs> ten overs, none for eight hundred and fifty, and like yeah. and uh, yeah, so maybe he's actually just calling himself out for corruption. Um, that's know. me accusing the Afghanistan captain during the World Cup of match fixing. So that's it's a good thread. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'll put it. It is a good thread if you do click on it. That a number of. Um, uh, the same names a number of names keep coming up <laughs> you know but uh, far be it from me to say just click the thread yeah. uh, and um, it's I'm just all I'm saying is it's interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> hashtag look into it is that what you're saying Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying Jeffrey Epstein is part of an Israeli Mossad conspiracy. Um, I've never seen which him is in the now same being reported. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Shrike of Pakistan are playing in Royal Pindi at the moment. That's the first game in Pakistan for over 10 years. Uh, one of the great things about cricket, of course, it fucking rained for four days, basically. Uh, they, they had nine <laughs> sessions cancelled during that test match, um, nice. which, is, um, which is obviously just one of the great things. Hey, I also noticed uh, Mickey Arthur's now head, uh, head coach of Sri Lanka, um, just as an aside of just leaning you know what I've just realised. Um, Abid Ali became the first man in history to make a century on debut and uh, in both ODIs and tests. He scored 100 in the second innings of that test.
protest because um, Pakistan, uh, Sri Lanka got about 300 and something declared, then Pakistan had a hit for basically a day and it was two declared for, or two for 250 and that was the entire test match. So great to see test match cricket back in Pakistan. Ha ha, cricket shit. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Marcus Stonis is on the show. Uh, he's going to come up now and after that, hashtag AskTGC. Time for another mini debate here on The Grey Cricketer, all thanks to KO Minis. KO Minis let you stream every catch, every six and every wicket from an entire match or day's play in less than half an hour. It's the quickest way to watch all the bits, the best bits, when it suits you. Today's discussion point, lads. Should all test matches be day-night test matches? Discuss. Hmm. Well, I've got a pertinent question here, guys. Um, I think Cricket Australia CEO Kevin Roberts said uh, in an interview recently that in his kind of perfect world, every test would be a day-night test. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of a point for discussion. This is it, it feels like we're moving in that direction, doesn't it? Yes, there's a few obstacles. There's a few, you know, there's BCCI being a bit circumspect about it, or should I say Virat Kohli, mm-hmm. fair enough. There's, there's, there's always sort of complaints from players about not being able to see the ball. I mean, since, you know, that doesn't really matter uh, because, you know, it means we can sit on the couch at, say, 7 p.m. Yep. and just watch cricket, let it wash over yep. us. Uh, and you know it just suits 21st century life I mean what what in what world does test cricket um, like work with life these days where we're essentially just economic units um, designed to um, maximize capital Good point. Uh, you know for, for the big end of town now um <laughs> on the other hand um, he goes mr. speaker yeah. you know <laughs> like day night test cricket would like I, I I get it I get it from the capitalist like mm-hmm. imperative, but uh, and just from the couch imperative, but I'd miss red balls. Mm. Yeah. Just like like, like what, what would that mean just for the end of the red cricket ball the the literal red cricket ball like, mm. I mean what about what does that mean for grade cricket? Mm. Grade cricket uses a red ball that's fine, but now it doesn't have a brother or it doesn't have a re- representation mm. at test level. It doesn't have a rep- representation at one day level at T twenty level. It, it, it's yeah. the death of the red ball. I don't know if I can deal with that. I I can see your point there, Pez. I mean, it, so much change has happened. I mean, we're playing tests under lights. We've got, you know, there's names on the backs of shirts. You know, we're, we're yeah. 18 months away from fireworks and a Jessica Malboy concert during the dinner break. And what would Bradman <laughs> think of that? You know, honestly, what would Don Bradman think of that? Probably wouldn't mind it if he yeah. could make some coin out of it. But as a traditionalist myself... <laughs> You know, it grates me. I mean, Test Cricket was already a great product. And to me, the day-night concept, it's still kind of MVP, minimum viable product at best. And, you know, it needs a bit more R&D to get there. Uh, Obviously, in, you know, 20 years' time, due to global warming, every Test match will need to start um, at 9pm and end at Um, Mm -hmm. 5am. We'll need to play exclusively at night uh, due to the warming of the globe. But part of the beauty of Test Cricket to me is that it's just got no... no place whatsoever in modern society, and I think that's a good thing. And I think day tests, or, or just tests as we used to call them, you know, now we have to specify between day tests and day night tests, or ping ball tests, or whatever, whatever they're called. It's dour, inconvenient spectacle played in searing heat during work or school hours, which prohibits people from attending, and that served us well for decades. So why change? Good point. I kind of see both your arguments, and I, I just I, I like the idea of like what what could be the worst possible time for a sport to air, and I reckon it will probably be for the very f- the commencement of said sport to be at um, between ten and eleven a.m. on a fucking Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but then at the same time, yeah, pink ball would mean death of red ball, and then like you go back, so like to the shield guys. Does the state representatives play all pink ball as well? Because if they're going to be you know aspiring to be test matches. Like, you have to play in those conditions. So, like, to get into the shield side, you have to play club cricket. So, does all club cricket mean that that's going to be all pink ball as well? But the problem is, is it would be nothing more inconvenient for um, amateur cricketers to give up their Saturday nights, Sunday nights, yeah. to be playing cricket. Yeah. Um, so, And, and he goes, pink ball is like... Um, pink ball's encouraging this style of cricket that, like, where you're prioritising declaring your innings yeah. or ending it to time it with bowling in twilight yeah. which is like kind of funny on one hand but then on the other hand you've got matt wade who like would like to pull any ball that's short and just generally hammer it around the place but just letting it strike him on the body so as to stay in so as to optimize it the time with which mm-hmm. like at which his opening bowlers bowl with a pink ball that's like 
not as easy to see. Mm. Like I like the the notion of players like there being a time when you can't see a ball as well is strange <laughs> to me. It's funny uh, and and inherently comedic, but it probably shouldn't be the case that there are like certain periods <laughs> of time during the match to, where you can't see the ball. ball. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Wade was doing that, it just reminded me of like that Happy Gilmore scene where he goes into the, the batting cages and he's got to toughen up and he just like he, he feeds yeah. a quarter into the machine, then balls are just hitting him in the face. Three hundred and sixty five. Yeah. That was basically Steve Wars last three three years of his career. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out okay for him. Alright, that's another mini debate for KO Minis. KO lets you stream all the action from the summer of cricket with no ad breaks during live play. Visit KOSports.com.au or download the app to start your fourteen day free trial. All right, boys, uh, let's not waste time with the indulgence stats introduction. Let's slip right in um, with the oil. Marcus Stoinis, big puppy. Uh, you finally made it onto the Great Cricketer podcast. Must be a huge moment for you. This is a big moment in my career. Um, thanks for having me, guys. I'm disappointed that I, um, I didn't make it for the, the hundreds, actually. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had to cut you last minute. Um, so, uh, Stoyan, um, uh, your career your has seen you go from WA to Victoria, back home to WA. Tell us about your relationship to grade cricket, or, you know, where you must be absolutely worshipped. Um, well, for me, it was pretty important, actually, because when I moved to, to Melbourne from Western Australia, I didn't play a game of state cricket for about 18 months. So um, I was well and truly entrenched in, in the grade cricket system over there. Um, and I made some of my best mates there, so uh, it's played an important part for me. Um, and yeah, since moving back to Perth, I haven't played too much, but I'm with the, the mighty Subi Lions over there, and uh, played played uh, my first game for them last year. Um, and I have been told it was um, one of the most memorable games that um, they've ever played in. <laughs> <laughs> they've told you that it was a memorable game. Did you did you leave for day two? Didn't turn up day two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was there. I was there. I um, look. I, I might have um, gotten a run out off the last ball to win by one run, uh-huh. and then might have also finished that with a a strong four hundred meter sprint around the boundary while they chased me. <laughs> <laughs> Stoin, um, uh, look, Stoin, you're in a you're in a unique position. You can compare and contrast um, Perth grade cricket, if you will, with with Victorian Premier cricket. Um, is there any kind of real difference here? I mean, my understanding of of you know the west coast of Australia is obviously shaped by Tim Winton novels, young troubled men <laughs> figuring out who they are. You know, set against the rugged Perth. Coastlines. Is that what great cricket's like over there, or is it just the same thing as everywhere? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's pretty accurate, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's actually a big difference in great cricket. Um, I think the guys in Melbourne think they're playing AFL. So oh, I remember yeah. I walked out to bat in one game, and um, I think it was Frankston I was playing against, and someone ran past and kicked my bat out of my hand when I was asking for centre. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's a bit rugged here. Yeah. So um, mm. the competitive edge comes out. The footy edge. They all think they're playing footy here in Melbourne. Two mm. uh, yeah. K yeah. time trials, just as a warm up. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Grab a jumper. All that sort of. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Big Puppy, uh, I want to know um, about uh, the, the MCG game that you were playing the other week uh, that, that was abandoned. I mean, I, w- I want to know specifically what the what the Vicks were saying when, when you were getting hit in the ribs and, you know, balls were going over Sean Marsh's head and stuff. Were they saying anything, like, get on with it, get off the front dog, or just kind of like, mate, oh, like mate, mate, maybe, maybe we should just stop playing this now? No, but most of the chat was around, can we check the ball? That might start reversing now. <laughs> uh, the ball got a bit soft. Did that hit his chest? Um, did, that, did that take bicep or was that your grill? Um, all, yeah, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it wasn't that serious. Uh, mm. um, mate, uh, just, just on just on the MCG, I mean, like number te- number six in the test team still feels pretty wide open. I mean, ahead of Boxing Day, which will obviously be played on an AFL-sponsored drop-in wicket, uh, offering nothing. Um, they're probably going to need a bit of support with the ball. I mean, where do you think you are as a proposition at number six in the Test ranks? Yeah, look, I think um, I think you're right. I think there's a position there. Mm. Um, and I just think someone's got to grab it. Someone's got to put their hand up. I mean, I'd love it to be me. Uh, but you just got to wait and see. There's nothing really I can do apart from concentrate on what I'm doing now. I mean, I've... I've 
feel like I've been pretty solid with my state cricket so far this year. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I get that opportunity. But you never know what way they're going to go with selection and what team balance mm. they want and that sort of stuff. So you just got to be patient, I guess. And you've... Um... You you actually had a quite an early interaction with Justin Langer back when you I think you played a bit of club cricket with with him in WA when you were about seventeen or I think I even read that you 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 know he asked you to come down and box with him at the gym yeah um, yeah so yeah. first firstly what was it like to box against Justin Langer as a teenager um, <laughs> but also you know maybe then you can kind of talk a little bit about his his coaching style if if you can because he's obviously had a lot of success in in a very short space of time with the Australian team. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. We yeah, we did meet at club cricket, um, and yeah, that's true. We did we did used to box together and that sort of thing. And uh, <clears throat> and the first time first time I went in to have a little a warm up with him, he didn't put his mouth guard in. I said, "Mate, you better put that in because one swift went to your little head." And I will no, I can't say. <laughs> You've said it. I've got to catch myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, we, we probably need to start that again. No, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> it's all good. Why is everyone afraid good. of that's saying something about Langer? <laughs> oh, shit. That's good. And Marcus Saunders is not playing for Australia again. Oh, well. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Nah, yeah. So, yeah. So, when it, we used to do a bit of boxing and that sort of stuff. Mm. And, um, I mean, he he's... Look, to be honest, back then he was an absolute superstar, and he's coming down the grade cricket and, and having a hit with the youngsters and helping us out and and uh, meeting me at the gym, teaching me about what he believes made him such a good player, which is all around his work ethic and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so that would be very important lessons for me when I was when I was like you said, seventeen, sixteen, seventeen. Um, mm. But yeah, as a coach, I mean, he's been he's been really successful. What he's doing with Australia right now is is obviously. Um, came into the tough time, um, but then what he did with the Scorchers, what he did with Western Australian cricket, um, yeah, he's got a recipe that, um, well, seems seems to be working. Mm. Just talking about like your your rep career, and I was reading earlier that um, you were twenty when you first represented Australia, and that was at the Hong Kong Sixes. So I'm just thinking like twenty year old Stoin. Hong Kong Sixers. Do you even remember going? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a quick trip. Um, yeah, no, no, it was a good, good place to start. I guess. I guess. Uh, I don't remember too much, actually. Is that what's the Sixers? I actually, I actually don't. I actually don't. So I'm trying to think of something to say, and I'm like, I don't remember much of that at all. Was uh, Was Josh Hazelwood in the squad in Glenmacs? Were, yeah. were they there as well? Uh, they ring a bell. That rings a bell. Yeah, I think they might have been there. <laughs> <laughs> now, that you, now that you mention it, yeah, I think they were there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just move into something a little bit sillier. Like Australian cricket is difficult. You, you not only do you have to score bulk runs and take bulk wickets, but you have to be ahead of the curve in terms of social hierarchy, etc. Um, we're talking about Justin Langer, like in the wake of his earthing revolution, promotion of Cam Bancroft, etc. Do you ever sort of feel like the the classic rig based selection? Is under threat, you know, these days. Like, like, does the does the bench press carry as much cachet as it once did? Yeah, look, I think I think you got to you got to move with the times, and unfortunately, I um, maybe I do need to adapt this sort of this sort of thinking. And the the alpha males don't seem to be running the running the roost, like you said, the Cameron Bancroft, the Earthing, mm. the uh, the Yoda. I mean, look. <laughs> that's not what I'm about, but, but uh, maybe maybe I need to adapt. As an alpha male, one of the one of the key traits is you have to adapt. Mm. I mean, yeah. you have to adapt. Definitely. You have to make sure you're still at the top of the food chain. Um, mm. So yeah, you look. You might see some changes in the near future. Could, could I just follow up on that there, Stoy? And um, like in the in the seventies, it was sideburns and drinking. Just on the alpha stuff, like. 70s sideburns and drinking, 80s moustache and drinking, 90s hostility and drinking, noughties chests and drinking. Like, there's a lot of kids who listen to this show, they're really keen to understand what it means to be alpha. Like, in 2019, and many think you're the alpha of Australian cricket. Like, you were op shopping with Adam Zampa recently. Like, can you define what alpha is in 2019 for those listening? Like, what what does it mean? Yeah, so now now I think it's just about... You just need to bring some sort of presence, whether it's body Mm -hmm. language, whether... Like, you said, gosh, Mm -hmm. he's standing here right now and he's... And looks defeated. And right now, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, that's not an alpha male. That's not it. And I say, yeah, come with me. I'll teach you. Come with me and we'll... Right. What do you so, teaching you know him? what I mean? It's about presence. It's about how you walk, about how you talk to people, how you look down at people. 
That's very important information from, from <laughs> us to intake. But it's changed as well. I mean, the, the dressing room um, environment must have changed. I remember reading an anecdote about Ian Chappell in the 70s who – he, de- he demoted his opening bowler in a state game because he saw him blow-drying his hair just as they were about to take the field. And then he instead decided to open the bowling with an off-spinner. Yeah. So these days, it's obviously, it is okay to be different and challenge those those perceptions of masculinity, I guess. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, we're all comfortable in our skin. I mean, Zamp, Zamp brings a blow-dryer to the, to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Davey Warner blow dries his blow dries his gloves, but Zant's in the corner doing his hair. Um, <laughs> and then you got me. I've, I've got multiple moisturisers. Mm. Um, what types, by the way? Like, is it a morning and evening thing? Yeah. You can tell. You can tell. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, what was that? Was it, was, morning like, or what's, evening? Yeah. What sort of moisturisers yeah. do you have? Oh, what kind of moisturisers? Um, well, I got a. I got a. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to think of something else. <laughs> I've got a morning serum. I've got um, a serum. Got... <laughs> That's a serum, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Usually there's something with a bit of SPF in there. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, it's for the daytime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Stoy, we're just, we're just, uh, just, just talking about the, the Stars um, squad that you're obviously all hanging out today. It's, it's an interesting mix-up of blokes because you've got yourself, you know, Stain, Coulton Isle. You've got some rare blokes in there as well, Maddinson, Zamp, Seb Gotch. I mean, how does it make you feel when you're, you know, looking out in the field and, you know, Ben Dunk has got a camping hat on and Seb Gotch is keeping in short <laughs> sleeves? Well, it's a good crew. Um, there's Zamp, speaking of Zamp. Um, but, yeah, look. Everyone's allowed to be themselves. That's what we're about. Um, mm-hmm. We've got our leader, Glenn Maxwell, who's, uh, who's as rare as any of them. So uh, that's a good environment. And then you, you look over at guys like Dunkey, you, you look at his eyes and how they're so close together and how cute he looks with that hat. And you think, Jesus, this is a great bunch of lads. <laughs> Uh, Stoyne, we're a, we're a notoriously spoilt populace these days. Uh, you know, Warner hits 335, but we want better opposition. Uh, you know, the country's on fire, but we don't want to reduce emissions uh, and so on. Uh, in that context, like post Flint off 05, can you just give us an insight into how tough it is being an all-rounder in Australia where everyone expects just hundreds and fifers on the reg? Yeah, well, look, I think... Um, I think if you look at someone like Shane Watson sort of thing, I think he was definitely uh, cop the brunt of it in terms of that mm. those sort of expectations and that mm. sort of thing. I mean, we probably underestimate how good he was or how good he is. Um, yeah, so look, I think I think sometimes the expectations are unrealistic, but um, but that's just part of career. That's part of every professional sportsman and all that sort of stuff has has their expectations on them. So. Do, I do think that sometimes the 105 for elusive all-rounder is um, going far between. Mm. Can you just give us a bit of an insight into, like, I just look at a guy like yourself, you're sort of going for the absolute jugular, you know, like you you have a brief to dominate with bat and ball in three different formats. Like how difficult is that to just to be dominant in three different formats in both uh, sort of like elements of the game. Yeah, you, you most of the time you walk off the ground and you and you've done something partly well and you've done a, done something else where you've missed out. So you, it's it's rare you walk off the off the ground thinking that was that was the best game I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and you, you you also put yourself under pressure. You also you want to make a hundred. You want to take wickets. Mm-hmm. You want to be involved in the game, and and that suits suits me and how I want to go about it. But um, you also open yourself up to probably uh, a few other things in terms of what, you, what am I trying to say? Um, you open yourself up to the negative aspects where there's always there's always something people want more from you and that sort of thing. But that's just um, like I said before, part of, part of the parcel. I mean, you mentioned um, that you know it's rare that you'll ever have the perfect game, but you did have the perfect game in your second. Uh, ever international in an ODI where you hit 146 not out batting seven and then you lost the game. That is the perfect game. Perfect. Yeah. It was yeah. almost perfect. There you go. Sam. Almost. And then it still didn't get it. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> yep, good sport. Um, Stoner, so that was a, a, a wild roller coaster of a conversation, um, not chronological at all, but uh, hopefully enjoyable for you. We'll keep some of that stuff in there as well. <laughs> but um, just, just on behalf of us, um, wishing you and the stars all the best, you and the, uh, the, the rare units uh, that they are. And, uh, you know, hopefully you can go one better this time. Thanks, guys. Love talking to you guys. You're doing a great job. It's good. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I met this good looker down at the local bar. And I told her she was talking to this big-time cricket star. I told her my stats and I dropped my name. She said, never heard of you. And I hate that game. <laughs> well, but you can't bowl and you can't throw. I'm just telling you what everybody knows. You absolute sitters. You put down all the tail enders hit you out of the ground. Don't ask warning. It was Caraman Joe. He'll say you can't bowl and you can't throw. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, Thank you. Dave, here he goes. Nothing says love like swimwear, preferably matching swimwear. I've always said that. You guys know that I've always said that. That's true. Uh, Which is why I will will be purchasing the Australia One Day Retro Design from uh, budgiesmuggler.com.au for both me and uh, my wife, Victoria. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure she will be elated uh, at that purchase. And that Uh, shout out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. She, yeah, never yeah. say my name online <laughs> she says to me so I've forsaken her uh, and our vows there because that turned up in our vows uh, do you guys do you guys agree <laughs> turned up yeah yeah, um, yeah 100% um, mate I, no. I, I'm thinking this is like Christmas card for me personally um, which is always a bit of a funny one because I don't have any family um, as Edo's famously said once to me um, no one will survive you um, and so I'm thinking this year um, that uh, the, my Christmas card is going to be in the form of a budgie and it's just going to be me um, on swimwear and I'm going to be handing that round. It's, a, it's an expensive Christmas card um, as Christmas cards go, but also as swimwear goes, quite reasonably priced. Yeah, I think, I think so. And I actually noticed that if you get the sizing wrong, um, and we can get it wrong, I mean, it's the silly season and we, we all have a tendency to eat a bit too much, maybe a few too many sugary proseccos here and there and when you do pop on that medium sized pair retro themed budgies you realize yep they're they're a little bit tighter than they should be but there is a 60 day return policy for budgie smugglers so you can swap it in the new year um and i also noticed when i was browsing the shop you can get eco coffee cups um from budgie smuggler which i think is important and and might stop you getting champed by baristas going forward because (laughs) no one can criticize you for ordering a weak skim latte if you do it in an environmentally friendly keep cup i mean i've always said that Good point. And that is that might be a nice way to ring in the new decade uh, with uh, maybe a more amplified environmental focus, Dave. So um, whether it's swimwear, retro Australian kids swimwear to share with your partner, or matching, uh, you know, eco cups, Mm -hmm. then um, you know the choice is yours. There's all sorts of choices. Just be careful giving a keep cup to some of those older relatives because they'll probably just tell you, "Oh, it's always been hot." Budgiesmuggler.com.au Lads, the live shows are coming up to the, to the end of the summer of 2019-2020, heading into a new decade, as stated earlier. Two live shows coming up in Melbourne, 27th and 28th of December. Our guest, John Hastings, the Duke. Looking forward to that Big corner ju- hotel. What Big an ju- event. What an event that is. What a venue. Christmas time, not much happening in the cricket. Get around the great cricket of boys. Now just referring to ourselves in the third person. Um, tickets available for that for those two shows. Selling out pretty selling out quick. I think uh, we're, we're, I think all these shows are going to sell out. So, um, so getting quick. Perfect Christmas present, to be fair, for someone that you either care about or don't care about. Either way, we get the same amount of money, so it doesn't matter. And I suspect that like whatever happens on Boxing Day, there's going to be conversation about that wicket. And so what better way to commemorate the Boxing Day test than to come to the Corner Hotel mm-hmm. on day two and or three mm-hmm. to hear three Sydney siders mm-hmm. uh, make commentary in um, a Melbourne institution about the city, its pitch, 
it's sport uh, and footy, and we are there is going to be some footy chat as well. Can't say too much more about that, but uh, yeah, if you, you know, if you like AFL, which I'm sure you do mm. in that city, then um, you know, this, this this place is for you. This show is for you. We're actually going to do a time trial at the Corner Hotel. Um, <laughs> So looking forward, looking forward to that. Every, every sentence that we say during the live show, we will then immediately um, define that sentence in AFL parlance. So we'll say a sentence about cricket, but then you obviously need to relate to it because you only understand things through the prism of AFL. We'll yeah, then just like, define it yeah. that way. It's like your spark notes when you go to like the opera. <laughs> um, it's, it's exactly the same. It's the same as that. Yeah. So um, the Boxing Day pitch was a club. Which AFL club would it be? And why? And what era? Um, great, great in Western Sydney. Um, 2018, no, 2019 mm. grand final. Mm. Oh. I was going to say, you know, 2008 is Ralph Falau era. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been hot. Um, Greatcricketer.club <laughs> for your tickets for the live show for the Great Cricket Live. Um, they're great nights out. Please do come along uh, and celebrate the Christmas period and cricket in this country and across the Tasman or some shit. Um, hashtag AskTVC. <clears throat> Lewis writes in, he says, Thoughts, please, hashtag AskTGC. As an 18-year-old opening bowler from regional Western Australia whose career peaked at 16, I've now found myself falling from having a Perth Premier side paying for all my fees, club kit and accommodation to playing country cricket where my ridiculously high subs and ball fees only fund the club president's crippling alcoholism. This brings me to my situation which poses the age-old question of, who is the alpha? Mm. After bowling two overs on Saturday, our overweight wicketkeeper decided to engage in a deeply personal war by making a move that can only be compared to the bombing of Pearl Harbour in 1941, whereby he put on a lid and proceeded to keep up to the stumps off my bowling. Unreasonably offended by this, I decided that, the, that, the, that retaliation was the only course of action, but my anger soon uh, commutated... Uh, to a feeling of satisfaction as he proceeded to drop and misglove every single ball of the over, made better slash worse by the fact he put down the most regulation of edges. I pretended to be upset about the nine buys off the over, but let's be honest, no bowler gives a fuck about buys as individual bowling figures obviously outweigh team scores. Mm. So, gents, after reviewing this incident, who is the alpha? Uh, uh, thanks, Lewis. I think that the keeper is still the alpha, just by virtue of the fact that uh, presumably, presuming you're a quick bowler um, who has played premier cricket and had your fees paid for, which you've mentioned um, at the very top, mm. that somebody has still deemed it permissible or passable or possible <laughs> to keep up to the stumps to your bowling. Whether or not they could do it or not doesn't yeah. really matter. They've just chucked on a lid and just let you know that this is possible. And I, I believe the, you know, as they say in media, you know, the medium is the message. Regardless of how good the keeping was, it doesn't really matter. They've just walked up and done it. And it's it's definitely an act of aggression. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be seen so, uh, seen that way. The fact that you could get the ball past him for a few buys doesn't reinstate you as the alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something you need to consider and maybe consider adding sort of, you know, 20 to, to 30 clicks to your bowling. Yeah. Well... <laughs> I think at the end of the day, yeah, no one is the alpha because this sounds like one of the grimmest on-field interactions ever. Um, it's, it just doesn't sound very very good, does it? I mean, we're getting a lot of questions from young blokes, aren't we? Like yeah. young men in their yeah. teens who are already facing these difficult social yeah. scenarios. And obviously this is a zero-sum scenario. Like you know, someone will win the battle and the loser will leave defeated with their tail between the legs because that's what happens in all uh, interpersonal stouches on a cricket field. But, you know, mm-hmm. are we... And off. Yeah, and, and Australian society in general. I guess it's us on us to guide him in the right direction here. And that direction is obviously to quit cricket and take up a, a hobby that, you know, has nothing to do with cricket, like chess. Mm. If Lewis was going to alpha the wicketkeeper, he should have been buying bounces. Mm. That's the only way. Or, you know... And, and you can only conclude that he cannot do that. I also... Yes. as he says, he says that no bowler gives a fuck about buys. And, yeah, individual bowling figures are obviously the only thing that matters when it comes to, mm. you know, reading... That's the next day in the paper, well, even though they don't put the scores on the paper anymore. But like I actually, from an OCD perspective, and um, not trivialise the condition, but I was always upset when I conceded buys because you know that that's that is runs off your bowling because you've obviously, you know, bowled a terrible ball that has conceded runs against your team. Mm. I I, ne- I was always upset. 
Mm. Was there any kind of like a silent satisfaction though that like you have propelled a ball to the boundary just with your own power? The, the worst thing is when you <laughs> yeah you bowl a ball and then it doesn't go to the boundary. It's biased. No but one you, touches you it. Like no one's been able to lay hand. Yeah, yeah it's a reflection of your lack of speed and probably the you know the level of the grass being too high because you're playing in too shitty a standard for it to be cut well. <laughs> Thanks for the question, cool. Lewis. All right, Tom uh, writes in, Howdy, lads. I'll skip the customary Ask TGC masturbatory self-flagellatory <laughs> cries for help in the guise of banter, inverted commas, brackets, fuck, I hate that word, <laughs> close brackets, and jump right oh, to the question. sentence. Would you rather face Stark, Cummins and Hazelwood in fading light with the pink ball or be able to hear your dad's honest thoughts when you tell him you've nicked off in single figures again in fourth grade? Cheers for the free content, Tom. Keeping in mind he avoided making eye contact with me until drinks break where he was for some unbeknown reason showing off his badly bruised thumb, evidently the product of his heroism. He goes, I think that bit has not to do with the question. Yeah. Because yeah. he already signed off and you've just... <laughs> well, that's a straight paragraph. We need to proofread these things closer, I think. That's just someone else's RCGC. They've yeah. earnestly been trying to solicit feedback yeah. and we've just merged it with Tom's. Hmm. Uh, well, to answer Tom's question, what would you rather, Stark, Cummins, Hayeswood, Fading Light, Pink Ball, or Dad's Honest Thoughts? It's fairly obvious you're going to try and face up to a 15-minute net session, isn't it? With Stark, I'd say so. Cummins, Hazelwood, like that's you know, even yeah. if you get like some really bad bruising, maybe maybe an, you know broken arm, mm. a broken fucking arm. Yeah, you know, that, that's way better than a broken fucking spirit. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've never really played fourth grade, so I can't relate to this question. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there's there's nothing scarier than Dad's honest thoughts. Honest thoughts, absolutely yeah. nothing mm. on this on this earth. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, this one comes from Mike from London. Hi, lads. Uh, just thought I'd slide into the DMs for some real talk with one of your preferred 10,000-word questions. Fuck me. For the last fuck knows how many years, I've been commuting an hour just to get to home games to play third 11 at a club where no one knows my name. Brackets, psychologically, still dining out on two first 11 games eight years ago. Like most men in their early 30s, I'm time poor and live under the constant threat of weddings, evening parties, and other wife wife, should I say, related bullshit I don't want to go to. I'm thinking of changing club to somewhere closer to home to save time. I need some genuine help. One, is this the time to quit cricket? Sure, I could get a rig to cover the scars this game has inflicted, but I'm worried I love cake too much. Plus, I look at Higo's selfies and think, is he as happy as he was when he was getting 7 off 43 before splicing one to mid on? I doubt it, lads. I fucking doubt it, he says. Two, if I join a new club, I've got a potential banana skin. My wife enjoys a well-groomed pubic salad. Perhaps she knows as much as I do that the optical illusion of the extra inch is worth the occasional manscaping. How is that going to be received at the new club in the shower? Do I risk alienating my sex life and grow it out in order to keep a low profile? I'm still mindful of blokes being called baldy or trims for months after arriving in the tubs with something deemed unacceptable for cricket. Or do I just embrace it and go for a cutthroat salad shave? Brackets, high stakes approach. Brackets again. Where do I get that done? Um, uh, very good. Double brackets. <laughs> Double brackets. Three, do I just accept my life is miserable? I hate cricket and continue playing in a club where I spend most games introducing myself to 15-year-olds who show up in their whites but are already better than me. I've been thinking about leaving for five years, but I'm worried it could be too soon to ditch the safety slash obscurity of the only club I've ever known. Thoughts? P.S. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself and the bowlers knew about sandpaper. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Mike, uh, from London. I really liked the... Um, Usage of brackets, which is like uh, the literary version of like um, doubtful inner yeah, monologue. monologue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so thanks for that. Um, the, I just wanted to query something before we kind of get into the answer. I actually wasn't aware that men in the tubs were not only looking at um, you know what you're packing, but also what you're doing in terms of pubic hair. Like, are yeah. people judging the length of your pubic hair? Um, like well, the optical inch stuff. Yeah. So I think to that end, I don't know why you would be critiqued for maintaining that pubes. part of your yeah yeah yeah. I don't. I've never heard anyone. I've never known trims. That. Yeah, uh, no, it's funny. <laughs> I've never oh, heard uh, of that. Are you baldy? You, you cut your pubic hair. Yeah. Fucking bald. This bloke. I mean, 
Sorry, I'm just trying it out. I'm trying it out. I'm trying out the sledge. <laughs> yeah, I like it. No, I, I we should role play it. I can never recall that. I mean, oh, to be fair, I haven't had a shower with other men for several years, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having not played cricket in a while, and also mm-hmm. just you know, I don't know where personal else you life, can you can do that. Personal yeah. life stuff, yeah. Um, but maybe these this days there is some more relaxed policy around pubic hair. I, I don't, but I don't recall it back in the day. You know, the day being the early two thousands to mid two thousands. In Sydney, what days cricket. they were halcyon days. Mm-hmm. Halcyon days. Mm-hmm. There was never any reference to it. There was was there. No. Uh, the extra inch well, is a thing, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I just thought it was to be encouraged. Yeah, it may, yeah, that, that's what I mean. It should be. It makes more sense to do that, but maybe it's a different aspect. Do, of and does that mean the reverse is true then? Like the longer your pubic hair, the more respect you get. Yes. Yeah. See, that to me doesn't ring true. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't ring true. It doesn't. It just doesn't jive. ring true, does it? But it's, <laughs> it's. This is Mike from London, so maybe you know, mm. like some of those long winters, doesn't mm. make sense to cut it short. Mm. Good point. What is this podcast? Thanks for the question, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's just about all the time we've got um, for this week's 101st episode of the Grey Cricketer Podcast. Thanks to Sam Perry. Thanks to Dave Edwards. Thank you to Marcus Stoinis for giving us his time um, on the Melbourne Stars Family Day. Uh, and thank you, as ever, for downloading this podcast. And we'll see you next week, the week before Christmas. Cheers, mate. Fantastic. Thanks, that, was great. that was great. Is that okay yeah. for you? I hope that was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great, mate. <laughs> bit hard, bit disjointed, but hopefully it works out. Yeah, well. it's a professional operation. Oh, it's just our right interviewing technique, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just scramble. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, your job now to clean it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to use that, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Nice one, mate. Enjoy. Catch you soon. Thanks, guys. See, See you, ya. mate.